Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. What's happening in our school system? Hackers are targeting schools all over the country. Some of the largest country, cities in the country's school systems are being targeted by hackers. What's going on? How can we prevent it? What do we need to know? What do parents need to know? What do children need to know? Well, we're going to discuss all of this. My, my guest is John Breo. He is the Vice President for Public Policy, Telecommunications, and Fraud with the National Consumers League. John, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. It's so nice to uh, connect with you today. Hi, Shirley. It's great to be back on the show. Yeah, um, I love what you do with the Data Insecurity Digest that you put together and you did something very recently on the problems with hacking, what's going on with it and why there is such a problem and the vulnerability of school systems. Tell us what got you first interested in this subject. Well, as a parent myself of uh, two, a middle schooler and a high schooler, uh, I have a vested interest in uh, the security of schools uh, in this sort of new all virtual environment. Uh, my daughters are both uh, doing full-time virtual schooling uh, to start the year, as are millions of other students across the country. Uh, and, you know, that's uh, something that is new for, for parents like me, uh, and it's new for thousands of school systems across the country. Uh, you know, most of them are doing this for the first time. Uh, they may be unaware of uh, the data security risks that they're putting themselves as a school system at, uh, and potentially the students uh, who are depending, students and teachers who are depending on these uh, IT systems to work seamlessly. Um, unfortunately, what we've seen as uh, the school year has gotten underway uh, is a uh, fairly a large wave of hacking attacks uh, against school system IT systems. Uh, these uh, range uh, from things like ransomware to what's called Zoom bombing when somebody sort of gets into your Zoom unexpectedly and puts up uh, uh, funny or, or sometimes even uh, we've, we've heard of reports of pornographic images being put up in Zooms unexpectedly. Uh, but I think all of that highlights uh, just how vulnerable the system is right now. Um, so we, I've decided to include information about that in the digest that you mentioned uh, because so many people are being affected by this. Uh, and I think it's important that we raise awareness about the scale of the attacks uh, and to make sure that both folks in Congress uh, and in state legislatures uh, are aware of this and that hopefully parents uh, are also aware so that they can take tips like, uh, take steps like making sure uh, that the laptops and iPads that millions of students are being issued this year are uh, up to date, that they install the updates, uh, that they have conversations with their children about how to be online safely, um, and so that they're armed with the information they need to demand uh, to uh, school boards and to school IT departments uh, that they wanna make sure that this, uh, this all virtual environment is as uh, safe for students as possible. Well, now this is this is an issue of the. It, sometimes they're using ransomware. I'm assuming they're trying to squeeze the school systems for money. Does that reach back to the children? Let let's first off let's I, let's just take a step back here. Mm -hmm. Tell us what the ha what it means when they put ransomware on a computer. 
that's one of the big things that they're doing. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Uh, Are they doing that more, John, than stealing data? Is it more the ransomware and trying to blackmail you into paying the money? Or is it more for the information that's contained about families, finances, everything? Well, it could be a combination of both. So okay. uh, if you've never heard of ransomware, essentially what it is, is a piece of malware that when it's installed, uh, encrypts your, uh, your computer's hard drive, uh, making it impossible to do anything with the computer, uh, like access files, go online. Uh, there's often a message uh, on there directing you to contact the person behind the ransomware attack uh, to pay a ransom. Uh, usually this is uh, paid via some form of digital currency like Bitcoin. And uh, just like uh, in a you know, sort of traditional ransom uh, situation, the idea is that if you pay the money, they're going to release the hostage. Maybe, uh, case, yes. In, As in, we know, that doesn't always happen. That's okay. right. So, so they're, they're really blackmailing school systems into paying the money. But beyond that, how does this appear to the child? How does it appear to the school system? Who is the, going to be the first line of defense here in terms of notifying the central system that this is happening to their system? So uh, the first indication of ransomware attacks, unfortunately, tends to be when people who are depending on that network uh, can't access their data. Um, that has happened not just in school systems, but we've seen it uh, in uh, local governments and in hospitals uh, across the country and internationally. Uh, and the impacts of those have been very significant. Uh, surgeries have had to be delayed. Uh, doctors have had to go from using electronic health records to uh, pencil and paper. Uh, we've heard of local governments being unable to do things like uh, issue car registrations or, uh, or, or titles for home sales. So the impacts can be very serious. When it comes to the school systems, you know what we've seen so far is that this hasn't yet uh, affected the distance learning, uh, at least in, in, in a few uh, instances that, that we took a look at when we were preparing the digest. Uh, but certainly the systems behind that, the administrative systems that uh, school systems uh, depend on uh, can be affected by these ransomware attacks. All right, now, do, do these um, school systems employ what's called white hat hackers to find the, the weaknesses in their systems and to protect against hackers? Well, certainly engaging in sort of white hat hacking, it's also known as penetration testing, uh, is part of the standard playbook for many companies when they are trying to improve their, uh, their data security uh, posture. I'm not aware whether any school system has engaged the so-called penetration testers or white hat hackers to test their services. Uh, but I do think that uh, uh, it's important for school systems to ask that of the vendors that they are, uh, that they are uh, uh, using to conduct this um, uh, distance learning. Um, I think that's important because, you know, we're talking about children's data. Here, uh, you asked earlier if sort of ransomware and 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 is linked to to data loss, uh, and unfortunately it can be. Uh, if someone uh, clicks on a malicious link or installs a malicious uh, uh, attachment to an email, not only can it uh, install ransomware that shuts everything down, uh, but it can and has uh, installed malware that allows the uh, hackers to steal data on students and staff. Uh, that they can use for all kinds of uh, nefarious purposes. Later oh, on. Yeah, that, that makes me shudder. 
to think about in, information about our kids getting in the ha hands of these evil hackers. And that's what they are. They're evil. Mm -hmm. um, let's just take a brief pause here to let our listeners know that they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is John Breo. He's the Vice President of Public Policy with uh, Telecommunications and Fraud. That's a long title, John, with the National Consumers League. And um, you, you do a great job there. And I, I, you brought to our attention the problems with hacking in the school system. And before we took the break, we were talking about the, uh, the impact and how they can steal your data, your information. Now, would they be able to identify, let's say they hack into a school system, would they be able to identify the child and the child's computer so that they could go back into the child and send them awful messages, arrange meetings, do all kinds of things with vulnerable kids? Well, it really depends on uh, the setup of the system, uh, okay. the type of software they're using. I am not aware of, of evidence that, uh, uh, that that has happened yet. Uh, but so what they really it's, do, it's, it's yeah, within what, the realm of possibility. Uh, typically what they what really do then is to steal data, steal information, block access for our kids who are in enough of a crisis as it is if they're having to, to uh, go to um, virtual studying, then I, you know, that puts a stress on a child. They don't need to see bad things on their computer. Now, what kind of systems are most vulnerable? And is there anything that needs to be done on the end of the student to protect them from this kind of stuff? Well, I think, um, first of all, uh, the, uh, the responsibility for protecting students' data uh, and their devices uh, should rest with the school systems themselves. Okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know the the ability and the resources available to school systems to protect uh, the devices and the students' data varies widely across uh, the country. You know, well-funded uh, school systems uh, like Fairfax County here in Virginia, for example, um, may have the resources available to provide better protection to their students and their students' data mm -hmm. than say a, a school system in a, in a rural part of the country that, uh, that, that may be struggling uh, just to uh, you know, provide basic instruction virtually. Mm -hmm. so, so the, hacker, the hackers target anybody that they can find. They are, not, they are not discriminating against us. They are just going out there in whatever school system they can get into. They're blocking it. They're demanding money. What do you, what happens after that? The thing, it seems to me that there should be real concern uh, within the school system about whether or not they've really gotten rid of the malware that has been put on or the ransomware that's been put on their system and whether or not there's malware. So that means they're going to have the best, if they're the victim of one of these hacking attacks, then they're going to have to spend a lot of money just trying to make sure that everything is cleared up. Would that be the case? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, what we see too often, not just in, in sort of school contexts, but that uh, the come to Jesus moment for corporations and other organizations mm -hmm. that are affected by hacking only happens after an incident has occurred. Um, so the, the, the resources that have to be um, uh, invested to prevent these attacks, uh, it's, it's often hard to justify that cost uh, because if nothing happens, 
then right. uh, you're wondering, well, why are we investing all of this money? It's often not until bad things happen that uh, the, the, the reason that you invested that becomes uh, the case. But I, I think it's also important to, to realize too, that this is not, there, there's no silver bullet answer here. Uh, it, it's, it's reducing the risk, uh, taking steps through, uh, through targeted investments in your IT infrastructure to make it as safe as possible, in training staff and students on proper cyber hygiene, and making sure that you have plans in place when you do detect suspicious activity uh, to try and contain the damage. Um, all of that takes time and resources. And I think from a, the point of view of someone who thinks a lot about data security, uh, I'm very concerned that not every school system in the country uh, is able or willing to take uh, that investment on. Well, let's face it, John, this is a rather unprecedented time. We're not used to having so many of our children using online uh, studies. I mean, they're usually in the classroom. They use the online systems there, but they're not, it's not usually them sitting at home and that's the only way they have to learn. I mean, that puts everybody in a very different category, it seems to me. Well, I think that, uh, you know, many school systems across the country, even before the pandemic happened, were moving uh, to methods of learning that used uh, lots of online tools, sort of mm -hmm. Google, Google Docs, and and Canvas, and and lots of uh, uh, of online learning platforms that allowed students and and staff to collaborate, whether they're in the classroom or not. So uh, obviously, the very visible impact of COVID has been all of the students who are now learning from home via Zoom, uh, and that certainly increases the uh, different the the number of pathways that could lead to hacking that schools mm -hmm. have to account for. Um, so I think it's very important that uh, for school systems to make sure that training uh, and education of their staff and of the students themselves on how to reduce their risk of data secure uh, from hacking uh, can pay real dividends uh, in terms of uh, reduced risk. Do we have uh, evidence that if a school system pays up or figures a way to get rid of the ransomware? And can they get rid of it without having to pay the attackers? Well, I think the consensus among cybersecurity experts is that uh, paying the ransom uh, is rarely the right answer. Uh, okay. That's difficult to do when they have very, uh, the, the hackers have uh, uh, access to very sensitive data, particularly about students. But you have to realize you're dealing with criminals. Uh, if you pay the ransom, uh, there's no obligation on them to give you the keys to unlock that data. They may mm -hmm. even leave malware on your systems that would allow them to encrypt it again at a later time. Uh, I think that's why you see most cybersecurity experts, including folks at the FBI who deal with this on a regular basis, mm -hmm. who recommend uh, not paying the ransom uh, and instead uh, taking steps to make sure that you have things like backups and plans in place to, uh, to, to uh, get back on your feet if this happens. When you pay a ransom, you're really just emboldening the ransomer uh, yep. to, to go after additional targets and potentially target you again in the future. Yeah, you're just helping them put money in their pockets so they can stay in business and we don't want that. <laughs> I think right. that's, a, that's a very, very valid point. And I think one of the other things too is the backup. I mean, that's can can be something that can save you if you have a backup on your computer. Um, let me just um, ask you, we're, we're about to take a break, but think about this. How 
do we as parents protect our children from this sort of thing? And is there anything we can do? So let's just take a brief pause here to let our listeners know they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is John Grayo. He's the Vice President of Public Policy, Telecommunications and Fraud for the National Consumers League, NCL as we affectionately refer to them. Uh, John, so what about what I just said about what, what do we as parents, we have conversations with their children, we tell them this can happen, we get them to make sure they alert us if they see anything strange going on, what else? Uh, so I think it's important for parents to have conversations and an ongoing dialogue with their students. It's not just sort of a sit them down at the beginning of the year and say, here are all the things you need to worry about, and then, uh, then you know, not talk about that for the rest of the school year. Uh -huh. Particularly now when uh, parents really are playing a role in their children's education that most of us have never had to play before, yep. uh, it's important to continually reinforce that message. Uh, and not only to reinforce that message in what you tell your, your, your child, but also to demonstrate it in your own actions. Uh, and so that could be something as simple as uh, making sure that you are using strong passwords on your, uh, on your accounts, installing updates to your devices uh, and your operating systems and your, uh, your browsers. Um, and also, uh, you know, not clicking on those links uh, on the attachments that hackers love to send. Um, and, you know, make sure and just have conversations, you know, it could be just five minutes when you're sitting at the dinner table, just to say, you know, oh, I read something about another data breach today. Um, mm -hmm. I hope that's not uh, something that, that, that you all are experiencing at your school and start a conversation. Well, um, how did the, the fair, has the Fairfax County uh, uh, ransomware been, uh, has that been solved? Well, I, I, I know that they're taking steps to try and uh, recover from it. Fortunately, uh, it does not appear from the reporting that I've seen uh, that it has stopped uh, virtual teaching in its tracks. Um, but Good. certainly there's a uh, there's a work to be done and that costs money. That's money that has to come from somewhere. Uh, mm -hmm. And unfortunately down the road, that's money that can't be spent on uh, making sure that our kids' uh, education is as uh, good as it can be. Yeah, that is, that is so true that that costs us no matter whether they actually do damage to us personally or not, it does cost us. It costs all of us, uh, the entire community, not just the school system, I'm afraid. Any other words of advice for, for uh, students? I guess the, the big thing here is to be aware and for the students to be sure that if they notice something untoward, they report it immediately to both the school system and to their parents. Yeah, I think that, that that last point is probably the most important one I want folks to take away uh, from this segment with, uh, mm -hmm. is that by reporting it, by being the squeaky wheel that raises uh, the issue with the school, uh, with your parents, um, that that is the uh, first step you should take if you notice anything um, suspicious. The worst thing mm -hmm. that can happen is somebody investigates and finds out that there's nothing to worry about, but you could potentially be protecting not only yourself, but also your friends that you go to school with uh, by letting folks know by reporting this, um, it helps all of us. Just one, one final question here. On the, uh, the ransomware is not necessarily stealing information. It's just locking the system down. But you said that they can, they can put malware in your computer at the same time, which would go back and give them basically everything that's in your computer, everything in your finances, everything that you do on your computer. Is that an overstatement? Uh, 
No, no, it's it's not an overstatement at all. Uh, certainly, you know, ransomware encrypts the data, makes it inaccessible until you're given the key uh, to decrypt it. Uh, but also, we've certainly seen instances, including in Fairfax, where uh, the ransomware attack was paired with a malware attack oh, that reportedly allowed the hackers to um, uh, to get away with with data on staff, teachers, and students. Unfortunately. Wow. Well, we have some interesting times ahead of us as our children uh, learn from home, not only as parents trying to deal with it, but school systems trying to deal with it too. It's a strange, strange environment, one that we don't, don't want to find ourselves in again. Okay, we have only got a couple of minutes, John. What kind of advice would you give? School systems need to make sure they bring in experts. Everybody needs to be aware. They need to alert the students that this can happen. And, and are you seeing school systems telling the kids that this can happen and warning them? Uh, I think that school systems uh, should be telling their students mm -hmm. how to be safe online. Obviously, yeah. you can't expect uh, a, a five-year-old in kindergarten or a high school freshman to be a cybersecurity expert and know no. all they need to know to stop hackers. But you can tell them uh, simple steps that they can uh, take to reduce their risk, things yeah. like... Uh, make sure that you are using school-approved devices when you mm -hmm. are logging on. Uh, make sure that you're not clicking on attachments or suspicious links that you're not supposed to. Uh, make sure that if you're connecting from your home uh, Wi-Fi, for example, that there's a password on that, that Wi-Fi. So yes, a big, long, complicated password, as I yes, understand it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are all steps that I think any student can take that will help reduce their risk. Uh, and I think just to uh, give them the confidence to report things that they see that may be suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, giving them tools to recognize when something is wrong, I think could be a very important thing. Now, John, your website, tell us how people can see your, your digest. Sure. So the way to sign up for our uh, data security, uh, data insecurity digest is to go to www.nclnet.org. And, and you and you all have quite a compilation of things that are going on around the country, around the world, uh, in terms of what you put out. And I re I really enjoy it. I think it's a great uh, it's a great tool for people like me to have, and for other people as well. So yes, I heartily recommend it. Um, so anyway, give that please give that uh, email again. I mean sure. that uh, website again, please. Absolutely. Uh, go to www.ncl net.org slash data insecurity. And there's a link Love there that, that allows you to, to subscribe. You, you describe it beautifully, insecurity. That is, uh, that is exactly what, what is being faced here, John. Well, look, I look forward to seeing more issues of data insecurity because it, uh, sometimes it makes me smile at some of the things that go on, but most of the time it just makes me angry that there are people out there ripping us off like they are. So I can't, I, I can't um, feel too good about reading it and then chuckling sometimes, but you've got to, you know? Well, so I think we, what you should do is take that anger and direct it towards the people who are in a position to do something about it. You got Let it. You... Well, we're trying to do that right here. Yep. <laughs> okay. John, thank you so much. It's been great talking with you. We'll look forward to doing something again soon. You've been listening to Of Consuming Interest. 
My guest has been John Breo, who is the Vice President of Public Policy, Telecommunications, and Fraud for the National Consumers League. He does a great job there. Uh, their Data Insecurity Digest is a really interesting and, and very useful uh, document. So do tune in, do find it, go to the nfl.org website, or ncl.org uh, website. It's ncl.net.org, is that correct? No, it's it's nclnet.org. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry about that. Or just Screw Google National Consumers well, League. Well, thank you all us. for joining us. This is Shirley Rooker. You've been listening to us on the Federal News Network. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.